Jacob. Every time I, he does that, I feel like he's uh, kind of introducing a, someone to a sporting event, you know, like this is some kind of competition or, you know, whatever. But anyway, thank you, Jacob. Jacob and Brittany are about to have a baby, a baby boy, born next Saturday at the latest. And a uh, great part of our team. Thank you to the worship team for leading us so well in worship. Wherever you are, if you're outside, you may sit down. You may be seated. Probably if you're at home, you are seated already in your lounge uh, lounge chair. But uh, so glad that you could join us today. I want to continue with our series, Reset, Renew, Rebuild. And of course, we're in the middle of our 21-day reset. So I'm... We started our prayer and fasting, 21 days of prayer and fasting last Monday. Uh, we're six days into it. Well, this is the seventh day, and uh, it's good. It feels good. I don't know about you, but I set some guidelines of what I was going to eat, what I wasn't going to eat, what I was going to do in my devotional life. So set the fast and set my devotional pattern and uh, I'm enjoying it, and I hope you've been enjoying our uh, daily devotional, which we're posting on our website. Some people are fasting from social media. You can see it there, or also on our social media page and Insta stories. So hopefully there, uh, they have been helpful. Maybe you can glean something, some fresh insight that will help you as we reset. But I want to continue today uh, with this series reset, renew, and rebuild. And, and before I, actually before I get into that, I also want to highlight the fact that in two weeks, it's our Vision Sunday. And uh, as yet, we still can't meet together, but we're going to be having a special Sunday where we focus on our vision uh, for 2021. Uh, some of that, of course, is difficult to uh, define right now because we don't know what the parameters of the next 12 months are going to look like, but certainly we're going to be sharing some key things, what God has put in spirit and Pastor Dye's spirit and our team for 2021, and I believe it's going to be a powerful Sunday. So I want you to and to join us. Um, we're also going to be having in that a time of anointing. You say, how can we do that? Well, we're going to give you, you're going to prepare by getting some oil uh, from your house, and you can anoint yourself, and then we're going to pray for you, and we're going to pray that God anoints your year, anoints 2021. So here we go. I think we're changing microphones. Thank you. So here we go with this, and I'm going to touch on a couple of things that I think are important to uh, revisit uh, for uh, as, we, as we move forward. Maybe you didn't hear last week's message. I want to encourage you to listen to it on our church podcast. You can listen to that so that we can uh, journey together through what I hope is going to be a, a teaching that's going to help bring fresh insight and revelation to each one of us. So here's the context of this reset, renew, rebuild. Of course, we all know that we need 
all of us at the beginning of a new year or the beginning of a new season or certainly at the end of this COVID season. And let's pray and hope we are at the end of the COVID season. There's light at the end of the tunnel that all of us can reset. And that comes personally, but also corporately as a church. Things have been disrupted that we can renew. Maybe we can renew things that uh, have not uh, that have kind of dropped off in our lives or routines that have changed or, or things that maybe we're not doing now that we used to do. And then it's a time to rebuild, to reset, renew, rebuild. Last week, we looked at reset. I want to look at renew this week and next week to look at rebuild. But just to give some context, the book of Ezra and Nehemiah are two amazing books in the, in the Old Testament. They're the story of the rebuilding of the temple and the rebuilding of the city walls of Jerusalem. And they are called the Restoration Prophets, but they have uh, restoration books. And alongside them, uh, Haggai and Zechariah are the Restoration Prophets. They have some powerful principles that relate to this subject that we're talking about. Because the nation of Israel had to reset. They were in exile. Seventy years, they'd been exiled in Babylon, and now Cyrus, the king of Persia, allowed them to return to Jerusalem. That was a, a reset after 70 years. They had to renew the pattern of worship. They had to renew their reading, the pattern of reading of the Word, and their, their religious festivals and religious days that were significantly a part of their uh, their faith. And then they had to rebuild. They had to rebuild the temple. They had to rebuild the city walls. And they had to rebuild the gates. We'll be talking about the significance of that, the walls the, and the uh, gates, the city walls and gates, and also the temple next week. But there are many similarities. And, uh, and I want to read this passage of Scripture to give some context because I'm going to be referring to this. So let's just, let's just Focus on this for a moment. Ezra 1. Now, in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and also put it in writing, saying, Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, All the kingdoms of the earth the God of heaven has given to me. And he has told me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Who is among you of all his people? I want, you to, I want you to take note of that. Who is among you amongst all his people? May his God be with him and let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and build the house of the Lord God of Israel. He is God. I love that. He's had a revelation, Cyrus the Persian, that the God of Israel is God which is in Jerusalem, and whoever is left in any place where he dwells, let the men of his place help him with silver and gold, with goods and livestock, besides the freewill offerings for the house of God, which is in Jerusalem. So there are many similarities between what was happening with the Israelites the, all those hundreds of years, over 400 years before the birth of Christ, and what we're going through now. Of course, the extremity of those events 
is, is uh, the difference of the extremity of those events between what we've experienced this last 11 months is, is huge. But there are many similarities. Number one, they had become displaced from their city, Jerusalem. Well, we haven't been displaced, but our lives have been disrupted. Secondly, there, it was a 70-year period. For us, our COVID-19 season so far has been 11 months, nearly one year. Huge difference, but the reality is that we never thought of the 12 months ago that 12 months later we'd still be dealing with the same issue. And so the, 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 uh, the reality of that and the similarity of that is very clear. The temple was destroyed. Their temple was destroyed. Church, our, for us, church looks very different. It looks very different to how it did 12 months ago. There's no one sitting in the seats. There's people sitting outside with an LED wall. You're, you're watching at church online. Our patterns of worship have been disrupted. We're online, we're outside, we're inside, we're with masks, we're without masks. Uh, we're, it, we're, <laughs> we're, we're, we're navigating all of these changes and shifts that's taking place. When it comes to the nation of Israel, they were socially displaced. They were not able to continue the former patterns of their social life. Well, our social, uh, we have become, in a sense, dis socially displaced in many ways. The patterns of our lives, our daily work, school, social, recreational activities have all been disrupted, and of course, social distancing that goes with it. So there are similarities, even though the extremity of, those, uh, of the situation was very different. But the principles to reset are identical. And I want to encourage you to take note on that. The principles for resetting, for renewing, and for rebuilding are identical, and they are the keys for us as we look at this subject, as we look at in whatever capacity for all of us, we want to reset, we want to renew, and we want to rebuild. God was about to do something new for the nation of Israel. He was about to push the reset button. And I, I strongly believe that just as they were about to experience a reset, God was about to do something new. I believe that God is about to do something new right now in His church, right across the world. God is doing something fresh. God is doing something new. What has happened in the last 11 months or 12 months has not been to displace or destroy the church, but it's been to prepare us for something fresh, for something new, for something powerful that God wants to do. And when we read this in the, in the book of Ezra and Nehemiah and Haggai and Zechariah, we see God at work in the midst of this. And so Cyrus is saying, who is there among you? Who is awake? Who is ready? Who is there among you whose spirit is being stirred? Who is there among you who is ready to be part of my divine reset? Who is there among you who's ready to be part of my divine renewal? Who is there among you who's ready to be a part of my divine rebuilding program right now? And whoever it is whose spirit is being stirred, let him rise up. 
And let him be amongst those who said, let us rise up and build. Let us reset. Let's renew. Let's rebuild what God is doing in these days. If there was ever a time in our history, our personal history, in recent history, to reset, renew, and rebuild, it's now. If there was ever a time in the Israelites' history to reset, renew, and rebuild, it was then. And I can't help thinking about the parable of the ten virgins in Matthew chapter 25, where Jesus talks about the ten virgins who are waiting for the bridegroom, and they all had oil in their lamps, and the bridegroom delayed in coming, and five of them had oil to spare. They were ready. They were prepared for however long it took, whatever it, however long the bridegroom might take to come. They were prepared, but five didn't have oil to spare, and they ran out of oil. And when the bridegroom delayed in coming, and finally he came, their lamps had gone out. And they went to the five uh, virgins who had extra oil and said, give us your oil. And they said, no, but we've, we, we don't have oil to spare. And they missed out when the bridegroom came they missed out. And Jesus said, let everyone be ready because for the return of the coming of the Son of Man of Christ because no one knows the day or the hour of His coming. But you know that passage of Scripture doesn't just speak about the second coming of Christ. It speaks about any move of God or any move of the Spirit that has taken place throughout history. God is moving by His Spirit. And there are times and there are seasons when God moves in significant ways. And I firmly believe that for the church of Jesus Christ, even though things look different, even though we are not seeing what we would want to see, there is a time that's coming, there's a divine reset, there's a divine renewal, and there's a divine rebuilding that's about to take place. When Cyrus asked, who is there among you whose spirit is being stirred? It's interesting that, that not everyone went. But only those whose spirits were stirred. Only those who had a revelation were stirred to move. It was not information that initiated this divine reset. It was revelation. I want you to think about that. It wasn't information. Information will never initiate a divine reset. Only revelation. They'd had all the information for 70 years. They knew all the facts. The temple was destroyed. The walls were broken down. The city was destroyed. They knew it needed to be rebuilt. They didn't know how it was going to happen. They had all the information. But it was only when it was only when Ezra had a revelation. It was only when Cyrus had a revelation. A, 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 a Persian king who, who was an idolater had a revelation that God is God. When Cyrus had a revelation, when Ezra had a revelation, when the people who went back to rebuild had a revelation, something happened that transformed the face of that nation. And I believe more than ever that today is a day when we as a church need to have a divine revelation of what God is doing so that we can be those that rise up and say, I'm a part of, the, I'm a part of that group. I want to be those who reset, rebuild, and renew. It was revelation that moved them. We live in an age of information overload. 
for the last 11 months, my inbox and your inbox has been bombarded with emails. I guarantee you have been unable to keep up with the number of emails that have hit your inbox. We have had social media overload. You could be on social media 48 hours a day and not keep up with everything that's happening and everyone, what everyone is doing and what everyone is saying. Our media has been in overdrive. We have more information today than we know what to do with. But information isn't going to change our world. Information isn't going to bring about the transformation that we need in our society to see His kingdom come and His will be done. It's only revelation. Nothing ever happens without revelation. And when you look at the two most significant moments in the Bible, in a sense where God initiated and began something new that changed the world, firstly in the Old Testament, Abraham, secondly in the New Testament, Jesus, both those moments took place with a moment of revelation. Abraham, who was a, whose father was an idolater, had a revelation, a visitation from God, that caused him to move from Mesopotamia to the promised land, and he became the father of our faith. In Acts chapter 7 and verse 2, Stephen, in his sermon before his martyrdom, says, the God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia, before he dwelt in Haran, and said to him, get out of your country and from your relatives and come to a land that I will show you. Then he came out of the land of the Chaldeans and dwelt in Haran. And from there, when his father was dead, he moved into the land in which you now dwell. And God gave him no inheritance in it, not even enough to set his foot on. But even when Abraham had no child, he promised to give it to him for a possession and to his descendants after him. Abraham could not have done what he did without a revelation, a revelation of God's purpose, a revelation of God's plan for his life, a revelation of God's plan for humanity, because God said to him, in you and in your seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Do you believe that for your life? Do you believe that you can be a vehicle of blessing to the people in your family, in your community, in your world, in our church, in our city, in our nation, in the world? Because it requires that same revelation. And God said, look up into the stars. See if you can count the stars. That's how many your descendants are going to be. Go up to that mountain and look as far as you can to the north, the south, the east, and the west. For as much as you see, I will give to you. That required revelation. And then, of course, in the New Testament, Jesus, when he asked his disciples near Mount Hermon, Caesarea Philippi, he said to them, who do men say that I am? And then he asked them, the most important question he ever asked them. The most important question that anyone could ever ask us. He asked them, who do you say that I am? Who do men say that I am? Who do you say that I am? We live in a world where sometimes we're much more concerned about who men say that Jesus is rather than who we say Jesus is. Listen, you can go on, you can, you can go open your phone and you can see 1001 squared number of 
ideas and thoughts about who Jesus is. But at the end of the day, who Jesus is, is found in his word. Who do you say that I am? Who does God's word say that Jesus is? And Peter said to him, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Jesus talked about the foundation of his church, that he, Jesus Christ, is the foundation of the church. And our revelation of him as the foundation of the church is what he built his church on. So Cyrus said to the people, Who is there among you who has a revelation of the time to reset, to renew, and to rebuild? And in Ezra chapter 1 and verse 5, we read, All those whose spirits God had moved arose to go up and build the house of the Lord, which is in Jerusalem. Those people had a revelation. They had a revelation to leave the comfort of their discomfort to go somewhere and build God's house. Do you know that sometimes we're uncomfortable with leaving the comfort of our discomfort? They were in captivity. They were in exile. And yet their captivity and their exile seemed more comfortable than the discomfort of going down to Jerusalem and leaving their lives behind and leaving their homes behind and leaving their relationships behind in order to build the house of God. And I believe that sometimes to take the step of faith, to be the kind of people that God wants us to be, hey, we're going to have to leave the comfort of our discomfort. And I think that for many of us, what has transpired in the last 11 months has become a pattern. The way that we've lived, watching church online maybe, or the, the the, the, the lockdown that we've been a part of. And we adapt. Human beings are unbelievably adaptable. And we adapt to what is a, a initially uncomfortable. And what is initially uncomfortable can very easily become comfortable. And then we need to stir ourselves up out of the comfort in, of our discomfort in order to do something fresh and new that may be uncomfortable. I believe that as we reset as a church right across the world, and I'm not just talking to us as Newport Church, we're going to have to shake ourselves off a little bit. We're going to have to stir ourselves up. We're going to have to have our spirit stirred within us. We're going to have to get a revelation. Hey, come on, let's push into this new season. Let's be ready for what God wants to do in our lives and in our world. And in the book of Haggai, The prophet who was prophesying at that time, we read Haggai 1, 13 to 14. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message to the Lord of the Lord to the people. I am with you, declares the Lord. Hey, there's a word for today. God's saying to you in the midst of all that we're going through, I am with you. I am with you, declares the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel. How can you remember? I've always remembered that his name's Zerubbabel. How do you remember his name? Because Zerubbabel worked with the rubbable of the temple and rebuilt it. 
So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of, the, of Joshua, son of Josedak, the high priest, and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. They came and they began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty, their God. There are three Greek words for time. And all of them have a different meaning. The first word is chronos. We understand that word because we get the word chronology that comes from that. Chronos means a space of time, short or long. Chronos means a chronological or sequential time. That's chronos. We all live in chronos. Hey, we can't escape chronos. The clock's ticking. The clock's ticking. We're all a part of that. The second is kairos, K-A-I-R-O-S. Kairos is a Greek word that means the God-appointed, God-destined moment of time. I want you to hear that. God-appointed, God-destined moment of time. This is the, the, uh, the definition, another definition of it. Kairos is the fleeting rightness of time. I, I, I like that, fleeting. It's not there for, it's not, it's a fleeting moment of time, rightness of time and place that create the opportune atmosphere for action, words, or movement. Basically, it's a window. It's a God-appointed window of opportunity. It's a God-appointed moment. An eon is the third word, A-I-O-N, which literally means eternity. Time without beginning or end. I, I don't know if you've, you've you ever used that word that I was waiting for someone and I, it seemed like eons that I was waiting for them. Seems like it was eternity that I was waiting for them to show up. But here's what happens. When Kronos and Kairos collide, something powerful happens. When our chronological clock and God's Kairos moment, God's appointed defined moment, collide, something amazing happens. And of course, this moment was a Kairos moment. Those who didn't go were left behind. They stayed in Persia or Babylon that had been inhabited by the Persians. They stayed there. Those that left were the ones who were used by God to reset, to renew, and to rebuild. Cyrus's decree was a Kairos moment for them. And I believe that for every one of us, this is a Kairos moment for each and every one of us as we look forward to all that God has for us as a church. Ezra had a revelation. And that revelation was to renew. To, after the reset was to renew and to rebuild to reset, to renew, and to rebuild. To renew their pattern of worship. The Passover hadn't been celebrated for decades. There was a time in Israel's history when the Passover wasn't celebrated for 400 years. The reading of God's Word was no longer a daily or a weekly or a monthly or an annual part of the Jewish people. The temple was no longer central. In fact, it lay in ruins. But Ezra came and he renewed a fresh new pattern of worship. And I want to take a moment to talk about that. 
because he, how did Ezra know what to do? How did he know what to do? He found the pattern. And I'm saying that word like an American because I know you won't understand it if I say pattern, which is the way they say it in heaven. The pattern. He found the pattern. What do you do when you don't know what to do? You find the pattern. Find the pattern, then implement the pattern in your life. Everything God does, everything God creates has a pattern within it. There are patterns in the universe. The Taurus is the fundamental center of God's creation and scientists are finding that this and time doesn't allow me to go into that but this 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 aspect of of the pattern or design of God's creation that that ha every part that has the Taurus within it astronomers study the patterns in the universe which unlock their discoveries there are patterns in maths there are patterns in science there are patterns in music rhythmic and melodic patterns and they're very closely connected to mathematical patterns where you just find that a lot of people who are music musical have mathematical ability as well. If you want to get the right outcome, you need to find the right pattern and apply the pattern to whatever you're doing. Whether it's math, whether it's music, whether it's our spiritual life, we can't make it up as we go along. The problem with our world today is that we are so influenced by popular culture, by relativism, which says that truth is not absolute, it's relative. We are so influenced by that that we make it up as we go along. Is it any wonder that if we depart from the pattern that God's established in His Word, that the world is in the mess that it is today? It's simply because we've departed from the pattern. No mathematician is going to ignore the principle of calculus and the patterns that are within that. No physicist is going to ignore the, the, uh, the Einstein's theory of relativity and the patterns that are within that because if they do, the, the results are going to be incorrect. The results are going to take them off track. They're not going to give them the answer that they want. And yet, we are so influenced, sadly, by local culture and what things are that are happening around about us. Ezra found the pattern. Pattern. And he unlocked the door to renewing the faith of a nation. I love this. I'm going to close with this verse as the team come. He, uh, he found the pattern. Last week I put an equation up and I want to put it up again. Ezra focused on worship and the word, worship and the word, worship and the word. Worship and word equals God's presence. God's presence is wherever we are in worship and in His Word, which equals, which brings God's power, which brings God's provision. So if we want God's presence, if we want God's power, if we want God's provision, 
begin to worship. I begin to get into His Word. Worship is not just three or four songs before a message on Sunday. Worship is... I asked my wife, Di, this morning, I said, can you describe worship to me with this in mind? And she thought, and she said, worship is giving God our best and our all. And if you think about it, we worship God. And you look at the, the subject of worship throughout the, throughout the Bible. Worship was not just singing. Worship was acts of worship, acts of surrender, acts of obedience, acts of of, of giving all of these were worship and here's the thing I want to I want to encourage you with and just this verse Romans 12 and Paul says therefore I urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy listen to this to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and pleasing to God this is your true and proper worship giving our all to God is our proper worship do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test what the perfect and approve what, um, then you will be able to approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. And that's what God did through Ezra. Because Ezra reestablished the reading of the Word. And time doesn't allow me to to look at this, and I, I'll, I'll touch on this next week. But I want to I highlight this. Ezra renewed the practice of reading God's Word. They hadn't read God's Word for decades. They didn't know God's Word. They were amazed at what they discovered in God's Word because they'd neglected to read God's Word. And he renewed the practice of reading God's Word. Then this is really important. He turned that practice into a pattern. The key to transformation is to turn our practices into patterns. A practice can easily be disrupted. A practice can easily be dis neglected. A practice can easily be ignored. After the 21 days of reset and prayer and fasting, we, we just go back to our previous practices. But when our practice becomes a pattern, it cannot easily be shaken. It cannot easily be neglected. It cannot easily be disrupted. And so what Ezra did was he turned the practice into a pattern. And we read in the book of Nehemiah that when they celebrated the temple, every day from the first day to the last, for seven days on the eighth day, there was a... Uh, sorry, from every day from the first to the last, Ezra read the book of the law of God. Every day from the first to the last for seven days. And he read it for four hours. You think my messages are long? Half an hour. He read it for four hours. And when he, when he opened the book, everyone stood up. And when he read it, everyone shouted, Amen and Amen. He turned the practice into a pattern. And I want to encourage you, in this 21 days, let this not just be a practice. Let this not just be 21 days of, of 
denying ourselves certain things. Let this become a pattern in our lives so that the pattern of our lives is the pattern of God's Word. What do we do, need to do to reset? Find the pattern. Where do we find the pattern? Not on social media, not, not on the media, not in your newspaper. We find the pattern in the Bible and everything that aligns itself with the Word of God. First of all, find the pattern. Secondly, begin to put the pattern into practice. And thirdly, make the practice a pattern. And when we do that, we'll see transformation in our lives, transformation in our church, and transformation in our world. Our team are going to close with a song right now. And then after that, I'm going to take a moment to pray for you. Pray that God's Spirit would stir you, stir your heart. Stir our hearts for this Kairos moment. Now 
I believe that I believe the Holy Spirit wants to do something fresh something new in each one of us whatever whatever's whatever's been broken down whatever may seem like rubble whatever might seem like ruins in our lives God is able to breathe he's able to make something beautiful out of those ruins he's able to rebuild and as we open our hearts and as I open our spirits I pray that God would stir us that he would stir each and every one of us afresh and anew that we might rise up and build that we might see his kingdom come and see his will be done that we might be a part of his great plan for the days in which we live despite all that is taking place and so father I pray that through the power of your Holy Spirit you would breathe fresh life into each and every heart breathe fresh life into each and every soul stir up hearts stir our spirits and may we rise up and build according to the pattern of your word to build our lives to build our families to build our church to build our community to build our nation so that you would come through the power of your Holy Spirit and that you would awaken awaken those who don't know you awaken those who are lost awaken those who are trying to find their way and we give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus mighty name amen and amen I want to take a moment as we close to talk to anyone here who who's never made a decision to accept Christ as your Savior I want to tell you right now Jesus loves you God loves you wherever you're at whatever you've done whatever mistakes you've made however bad you may feel the circumstances and situation of your life may be Jesus came and he hung on the cross so that he could take our sins upon himself and that we could be forgiven and all that we have to do is accept that by faith which means just simply accepting what he did and saying I thank you Jesus that you died on the cross for me that my sins can be forgiven my slate can be wiped clean you can cause my spirit to come alive to you that I can be born again as if I'm a new person all things passed away all things have become new a fresh start and all you have to do is pray this prayer which I encourage you to pray with me today if you want to do that or if you want to make a recommitment of your life to Christ pray with me now I know God's gonna to touch your heart in a significant and powerful way let's pray Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father I come to you in the name of Jesus I open up my heart and I receive you, Jesus, as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for forgiving me. And I know that from now on, I will never be the same. I'm a new creation. And I will follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. If you pray that prayer, Congratulations. Greatest prayer that anyone could ever pray. We want to do everything we can to help you on the screens. There are a number of ways that you can connect with us and we can help you take the next steps. We want to do that and we, we want to do everything we can 
to help you grow in your faith. Of course, we're a family, we're a community. We'd love you to be a part of that. And even though we're watching online, or maybe you're watching online, you can connect with us. If you want to come to our cafe outside the church while we're having outdoor services, I'm praying it's going to be real soon that we're going to be able to meet again inside the church building. But in the meantime, God's able to do what He wants to do wherever we are, whether it's in our homes, online, outside, wherever you may be. So glad that you made that decision. And we're so glad that you joined us today for this service. I'm going to take a moment to pray for you right now. Pray that God will bless this week and that as we reset, we will become renewed and we'll able to rebuild everything that needs to be built in and through our lives, in us and through us, in Jesus' name. Father God, I thank you for each and every person that's watching. Thank you for every family member represented. Thank you for our church and our church family. I pray, Lord, that this week that each one will know your grace, your favor, your protection, your provision. And Lord, we thank you that when, if God be for us, who can be against us? And I pray God's richest blessing on each and every one in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. God bless you. Have an amazing week. Look forward to seeing you online or outside our church here next Sunday, 11 a.m. Have you ever seen the